This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. It's a very special day because today we get to celebrate mothers. Today we get to celebrate mothers. We don't always recognize and I don't think we necessarily give enough credit to mothers for the role that they really perform. But mothers are on the front line of the next generation. Your role as a mother, we just want to salute you today. And we want to applaud you. We want to thank you for what it is that you do. And I want to just reaffirm with you or to you how much we value the role that you play. You're in the process right now of seeding the next generation and what that generation is going to look like, the values that they hold, the relationship that they enjoy with God. And so in your household, in your domain, I want to encourage you to continue that. Sometimes it's not always the easiest job and we don't always get the kind of gratitude and the the recognition that we deserve for it. But I want to let you know that what it is that you're engaged in and what you're doing is really important. And in many ways, I think, Motherhood pays dividends as your children age, as they mature. And you get to see what you've seeded into their life and how it's beginning to manifest and how it's not only affecting them, but it becomes the groundwork for generations to come. I just want to play a blessing over you right now. Father, I just want to thank you for mothers. I want to thank you for the peculiar and incredible role that you've given them to perform. And I want to thank you, Father, that that task is one that is of the utmost importance. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will move in the lives of mothers right at the moment. I want to thank you that you introduce them and you, you, you unveil to them what it is to be, live a life of fruitfulness, to take everything that you've put on the inside of them and to seed the next generation from that. I want to thank you, Father, that you enable them and you give them what is necessary to be able to take and grow the individuals that you've entrusted to them, where they recognize potential and they see what you have gifted them with and they're able to take that and grow it into all that you've designed for it to be. I want to thank you for the domain called their home. And I want to thank you, Father, that they rule in that domain. And you give them the wisdom, Holy Spirit. You give them the ability. You give them the understanding. You give them the favor. And you give them the necessary power and influence to be able to take control and to run that domain the way that you've designed. We thank you for mothers and we want to thank you for the year that they enjoy ahead. I want to thank you that they're blessed. I want to thank you that they're prosperous. I want to thank you that they're protected, that they're healed, that they're whole, that they're healthy, that they're well. I want to thank you for the role models that they are. And we bless you for them now. Amen. Amen. We've been talking about blessing over the last, in fact, one week ago. with a little break in between. And so if you'll open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, I'd like to carry on with that series. I'm going to read from verse 27, and I'm just going to read two verses. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the ground. 
you may find yourself in a place today where perhaps you don't understand where God is. Perhaps you're at a place right at the moment where you're looking for God and you're looking for his involvement in your circumstances and situations. Perhaps there are things confronting you right at the moment and you have more questions than answers and you find yourself at a place where you feel as though you are having to tackle life's issues independently. You feel as though you're out there on a limb and you're dealing with situations and circumstances on your own. If you're feeling like that today, if you're at a place where you're looking for God, if you want to know what his voice is and if you're looking for his blessing, I want to speak to you. This is a message specifically for people like that. I want to speak to you today on something that I've titled the roadmap to blessing. The roadmap to blessing. Genesis is an interesting book and it's a really important book and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. But if you have a look at creation and you have a look at what God was doing in creation, it's, it repeatedly speaks about the fact that God looked at everything that he had created and God said, it is good. It is not just good, it was very good. It was very good. God created and had a look at it and said, it is very good. It is very good becomes a really important little phrase for us because what does it say? In many ways, what it's really doing is it's speaking about God's endorsement of what had been created. God was looking as to what had come into being and he was passing a comment on it and he was saying, I'm giving it my endorsement. Why was he giving it his endorsement? Because it was perfect in the way that God intended for it to operate. It was perfect and according to his design. And when everything operates according to its design, it functions effectively. It functions really well. God looked at creation and he said, it is very good. Everything operated and functioned the way that God intended it to. It was into this environment that God introduced a being called man. What separates man from other creatures that have been created is not the fact that we're flesh and blood. It's not not because of the fact that we're able to communicate. It's not because we're able to relate to one another at a certain level. It's not because we have intellectual capability. What separates man from all the rest of creation was the fact that man was built around the Spirit of God. God knew what he was going to do. God had intention that he was going to create man in his image. And in order to create man in his image, what he wanted to do was he wanted to take of who he was and he wanted to impart a part of who he was and instill it into man. And as a result of that, the focal point of man's creation became breath. It became God sitting saying, how do I take my spirit and impart it into a being that will take on my image? And in order to do that, he built man around a central point called God's breath, God's spirit. He had a look at it and he said, in order for me to take my spirit and inject my spirit into a natural world, I have to create some kind of an encapsulation that I can put my spirit into. So he pulled some dust together and he created man in his physical form. Man's physical form was there as a body, as a housing for the Spirit of God. It was built to accommodate the Spirit of God. It was built in a way that man, God could take something which was spirit in nature and put it into something which was natural and give it the opportunity to be able to roam and to move around in a natural environment. Your body was built around his spirit. 
But God had to look at that and he said, I, I put my spirit in there and I've put it into a physical being, but I want to enable this being to be able to conceive, to realize, to, to have a perception and to be able to understand the things that are spiritual in nature and be able to take those things and integrate them and inject them into the natural world. And so he had to create another thing in order for man to be able to assimilate who he fundamentally was built in God's nature. So he built into him something called a soul his soul was built so that man had the capacity and the ability he was capable of being able to perceive understand grab a hold of the things which are spiritual in nature the things which are godly understand them and inject them into his life so that he could walk into them and they began to define who he was and began to define his being when he spent time with God God took aspects of his spirit and he began to unveil it to man and Adam began to realize and gain an understanding as to who he was made in God's image. He began to understand if I am like this, what does it mean for how I live? It gave him comprehension. It gave him a grid for how he could take things that are spiritual in nature and how he could live them out in a natural paradigm. God intended for man to be at a place where he could feel. So he built into him emotions our emotional set was always designed to be fed by and to be seeded by the spirit man on the inside of us. And as a result of that, we would live from that and we would experience the emotions and the feelings that God felt. He built into us the capacity to be able to take everything that God has given us and to make judgment calls as to how it is that we wanted to live our life. How it was that we could take the things that are spiritual in nature and how we could use them to direct our path and move us forward in life. He gave us the capacity to make choices. Everything that God did was designed around who he was. And that's what separates man from everybody else. God looked at all that he had created, including man, and it was very good. And it says, and God blessed them. What did God bless? God blessed, it was very good. God had created a paradigm that was a perfect setting for what man needed to operate in. He created a perfect paradigm for God, for, for man to be able to move into his design for God. And he had created it so that man lived in partnership with God. In order for man to realize his full potential, he had to live in partnership with God. Anytime we take that away, what we lose is our capacity to walk into our full potential. When God created Adam, Adam was always designed to, walk, to, to live from his relationship in unity with God. As he spent time with God, what God began to do was, God began to take aspects of who he was and reveal it to him. And as he opened the eyes of Adam, what he was saying to Adam was, I'm revealing to you your potential. I'm expanding your capacity for life. I'm making you realize things that you didn't realize before. And as you begin to realize new aspects of who you you were created to be it is an invitation and an introduction for you to step into a new way of living our capacity and our ability to expand our lives and to step into that expansion was directly related to God the trap that Adam fell into 
was that Adam understood that his ability and his empowering came from the greater one on the inside of him. And yet the temptation that was put before him was to sit and say, Adam, do you know what? You don't have to be dependent on God to realize your full potential. Actually, in your own capacity, if you were to separate yourself from spirit and to go off by yourself, if you were to separate yourself from God and you were to go off and do things by yourself, you could realize godly status independently of God. And that's the trap that Adam fell into. Adam moved his life away and he separated and created division between God and spirit. And he moved off to go and act independently of God out of his flesh. And what ended up happening is sin was introduced to the world. When you have a look at what the Greek definition is of sin, it speaks to us about missing the mark. Sin is about missing the mark. Adam missed the mark. Adam missed the mark because the mark was the life of God on the inside of him. And as long as he lived from the mark, he was fine. As long as he got his, his sustenance and his energy, as long as he got revelation and vision from the life that was on the inside of him, God's Adam was on, on course and it was blessed. The problem was when we begin to miss the mark, what we do is we act independently of God and we move to a place where what we begin to do is we act out of our own understanding. We act independently. And so what we begin to do is we miss the mark. We keep looking for God's blessing because we're living the way that we think we should be living. We start living according to our own design. We start living according to where we've come from. We start allowing our history to have influence in who we are. And all of those things start to lead us to a place where we're living as we believe we should be living, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're living in connection, in connection with God. Every time we miss the mark, we put ourselves at a place that we're outside of blessing. God's blessing came to that which he had created. There was a design under which blessing sat. And when Adam decided to move independently of God and act independently of God, he removed himself from blessing and he put himself outside of that. Anytime we act independently God, whether of God, whether it be inter- intentional or not, what we end up doing is we miss the mark. And we position ourselves outside of blessing. We're looking for God to do something in our life. And God's sitting saying, you know what? I want to do something in your life. My intention was never to leave you at a place where you've missed the mark. That's why I sent Jesus. Jesus was there because Jesus is there to bridge the gap between where you find yourself today and to get you back to your original design. God is at a place where he's sitting saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going to leave you at a place where you've missed the mark. I'm calling you back and I'm creating opportunity for you to step back into the mark. To come back home to that place where you can recognize what it is to live in unity with me and once again be under blessing and experience blessing. Every time we listen to the words of Jesus and we allow them to have influence who we are and we take cognizance of them and we begin to act on them, what we're doing is we're living from a a realm called obedience. Obedience is important. You see, obedience doesn't make God act. Obedience repositions our lives so that we realize the blessings that God has already provided for us. 
Obedience is the roadmap that's going to take you from where you find yourself today back to God's original design. Obedience and listening to God's word and acting on God's word is going to take you from any circumstance and situation that you find yourself in right at the moment where you're looking for God and you don't understand where he is to the very place where God, where you will find him and you will, you will discover his blessing in that space. When we talk about obedience, obedience is always going to take you from dust back to breath. Obedience is always going to take you from a place of your independence, from living outside of God's design, from living according to your flesh, living to according to your emotions, living according to your thought processes. And it's going to take you back to God's original design, which is living in unity with him, allowing him to inform what I should be doing and how I should be living and making the necessary adjustments so that what I can do is I can step into that paradigm and I can realize blessing. When you move back into God's God's original design, what ends up happening is you step into blessing. Blessing is found in that place. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. When we start having a look at it, I believe that God blessed them in a number of different areas. My, there are so many viewpoints on this. I'm going to tell you what I believe and I'm going to tell you why I believe it. I believe that God blessed them in every capacity of their life. He blessed them in their personal capacity in terms of who they were and what they were all about. He blessed them in terms of everything that they got involved with and he blessed their world. He said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. There were three areas. I think God started off at the very beginning, the very uh, focal point of who we are as people. The most intimate part of what we're all about. It's about me. Who am I? And God said, my intention for you is that you be fruitful. If we have a look at fruitfulness in a New Testament context, and you turn to Galatians chapter 5, what we begin to do is we begin to discover that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Sorry, the fruit of the Spirit of love is joy, peace, kindness, virtue, faith, gentleness and strength i believe what god was saying was when i'm talking to you about being fruitful what i'm saying to you is this when you reconnect with me when you reconnect with my spirit what's going to end up happening is you're going to start to produce fruit in your life and the fruit that you're going to produce in your life is going to be fruit that comes from the spirit which is me and when that fruit starts to manifest itself and you start to live according to that fruit you are positioned for blessing the problem with it is, is that we don't always move to that place. Very often we lean to our own understanding. We separate ourselves from God and we miss the mark because we live outside of that. If you stay in Galatians and you go down to verse 17, it says this, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. What it's telling us is this. If you miss the mark, you start to live from the flesh and not the spirit. So what ends up happening all too often, and if you read between those two verses, it gives a whole description as to what the fruit of the flesh is all about. This is what I believe happens. In our relationships with people, as opposed to standing and living and operating off the fruit of the spirit, as opposed to living from a foundation of love, what ends up happening is we are people who live from the flesh. 
So I get offended with you because you didn't do things the way that I thought that you should do them. I respond out of anger. I live out of judgment. I'm always critical. What am I doing? I'm living from the flesh. I'm not living from the spirit. So what ends up happening is my relationships are not positioned to be blessed because I'm living out of the flesh. I'm missing the mark. I'm living out here somewhere. And then I want to know why I walk around and people are not attracted to me. I want to know why people don't want to spend time with me. It's because I've missed the mark. I'm living the way that I think I should live, the way that I feel like living, the way that my emotions introduce me to different things. But I'd never sat back and said, Father, you know what? I'm missing the mark right now. I'm somewhere where I shouldn't be and I don't understand why I'm not stepping into prosperity. But when you are looking for God's blessing in terms of your relationships and your inner world, what God is always going to do is he's going to take you from dust back to breath. He's going to take you from separation and from flesh and he's going to relocate you and put you back in spirit. And he's going to say, when you get yourself entrenched in spirit, what is going to end up happening is you're going to start to produce some stuff in your life. And the result of being established in love is that you're going to produce the fruit of love, which is going to bless your life. Jesus walked around and people liked being with Jesus. If people don't like being with you, you have to ask yourself why. Just a weird suggestion. You have to ask yourself why. The only people who didn't like being around Jesus were the religious people. And the reason that they didn't like him was because everybody else did. But everywhere where Jesus went, people were attracted to him. And people went to him. Why? Because they understood that he operated out of a paradigm of love. That's who he was. And as a result of that, it created a safe space where people could come in. And as a result of that space, it created an opportunity for him to be able to take the things of the Father and introduce it to people's lives. It created a bridge into people's lives. All too often, we don't have bridges into people's lives because we're living from a place that is not on the mark. People aren't interested in what I have to say because they don't like who I am. He's always calling us back. And he's always sitting saying, I'm going to take you from dust and reintroduce you to breath. I'm going to take you from being independent of me. And I'm going to show you what life is like when you start living from me at the center of your being. Because it's going to introduce you to blessing. God blessed them. Be fruitful. Multiply. Multiply. Multiplication talks about taking the things that you have and growing them and expanding them. Growing them and expanding them. The challenge that we have all too often is that what we do is we want to live our lives the way that we want to live our lives. So we don't behave in a way that God calls us to. So very often what ends up happening is God says, I'm calling you to be givers. I want you to take the things that I put into your life and I want you to live a life where you take of those things and you give it into other people. You impart it into other people. And when you do that, what will end up happening is you'll open the windows of heaven and blessings will be poured out on you that you can't contain it. The thing about it is he's looking for our obedience because unless we get ourselves established in the reality that we need to be people who are givers, we're looking for the blessing, but we've never put ourselves back at a place where we're able to locate blessing. Psalm chapter one, 
says, blessed is the man. If you're looking for blessing and you're a person who's part of manhood or you're part of people, it's talking to you. If you're looking for if you're looking for blessing and you're a person, it's introducing you to what it's all about. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What is he talking about? He's saying, don't live your life according to things that are independent of me. Because anytime you live your life of other people's opinions, of your own ideas, of your fleshly influence, what the world is going to be telling you, what ends up happening is it's going to create a rift between you and me. Because it's going to take you from, who you were, from where you should be in unity and in relationship with me. And it's going to take you down a path that separates us. It's going to take you to a place where you miss the mark in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of sinners or stand in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the words that God gives him. And on those words, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf shall not wither, but whatever he does prospers. What is God saying? He's giving us a recipe for blessing. What he's saying is, if you want to be blessed, I'm inviting you into obedience. If you want to be blessed, I'm asking you to find out what it is that I want to do in your life. Because if you start listening to me and you take the words that I give to you and you begin to obey them and walk into them, what's going to end up happening is it's going to relocate your life and it's going to give you a roadmap to move from where you are and put you in a place where you experience what blessing is all about. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. I believe what he's talking about is he's talking about the territory called your life. What he's saying is you have a territory called your life. What are you doing with it? It's your dominion. What he's saying is you have the responsibility for taking care of the dominion called your life. When it speaks about us being dominion figures, the language used in the original Hebrew actually goes back and speaks very much of the same languaging that they would use when they referenced or spoke about kings. It's the same language. What God is saying is, I'm calling you as a king. I'm calling you to royalty to rule over that domain called your life. The problem is this. You don't have authority to rule in your own capability. You don't have the ability to rule and have dominion over the area called the terrain of your life unless you connect it to God. Where dominion comes from is when I'm connected to him, when I'm connected to spirit. His life is what comes in and empowers me and gives me the authority to live from dominion. Outside of that, it's a pipe dream. I look forward to it. I really want it, but I'm not connected to him. I'm not positioned in my life under blessing so that I can walk into that and realize what it is. I talk about it. I hear about it, but I don't realize it. Unless I'm connected to authority, I don't have that in my life. So God is calling us to obedience. God's calling us to do some stuff. And what he's saying to us is this. If you really truly believed in me and you believed that the road that I would take you down would lead to blessing, you'd be obedient. What he's really saying is that obedience, uh, sorry, blessing follows obedience. 
And obedience follows trust. Obedience follows trust. In John 14, verse 24, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What is he saying? He's saying, if you love me and you understand that I have your best interests at heart, if you really know me, you would know that the only place that I would take you would be into blessing. And as a result of that, you would be obedient to my words, not for any other reason other than you trusted me. You knew I was taking you somewhere good. And as a result of that, you prepared to follow my lead. If you trust me, you will obey me. And it'll take you to a place where you'll realize what blessing is all about. So it begins to open up a whole new paradigm for us. Because when we start to look at the concept of obedience, we see that it's intimately related to ideas like trust. And we begin to realize that obedience is so much more than a vehicle that will prosper us. Basically, it is something that is a relationship invitation. It's a relationship invitation. If you have a look at the word blessing in the original Greek, you'll see that it comes from a word called makarios. M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S, Macarius. And the definition of Macarius is the state of one who has become a partaker of God, experiencing the fullness of the indwelling spirit. The state of one who has become a partaker of God. It's somebody who sits and says, I recognize the fact that I can never realize the full extent of what my life is all about outside of relationship with him. And I'm never going to walk into my full potential unless I go back to God's original design. And I recognize the fact that I need to be at a place where I'm connected to the very source of life. And that's relational. It's relational. I need to be able to trust what God is wanting to do in my life because if I trust him, I will obey him. And when I obey him, I will follow him, which will lead me into blessing. If you go down to John chapter 7, I think you're already in John. John chapter, sorry, John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. It says, if you abide in me and my works abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What he's really doing is he's giving us a formula for blessing. What he's saying is, if you follow these two directives, what will end up happening is you'll position yourself in a state of blessing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, if we, if we start to explore that in a little more detail, really what it is, it's an invitation to go and discover with God in the garden. Like he used to walk with Adam in the garden. And when he spent time with Adam, what God was doing was he was building Adam's mind. What he was doing was, he was saying, Adam, you know what? I've called you to be fruitful. Do you know what fruitful is all about? Let me show you what my spirit is like on the inside of you. Let me introduce you to something called joy. Do you know what joy is? And he introduced him to a concept called joy. And what he was doing was, he was introducing Adam to who he was 
to live from his God likeness. And he was saying to him, let me begin to expound on this a little bit so that you have an understanding and a revelation of what it was. And as a result of time spent with God in the garden, Adam was able to take that away with him and he was able to go and he, was begin, he began to play with it. What does joy look like? What does joy feel like when I take it and I put it into my world? What was he doing? It was relational. When he spent time discovering in the garden, it had changed who he was. It changed how he felt. It changed how he saw life. It changed everything about his decision making and put him at a place where all of a sudden he was able to walk out and sit and say, I want to go and play with this thing called joy. Let me discover in its entirety what it's all about. It came because he spent time with discovery in the garden. He walked with God. If we don't walk with God, we don't discover. 34 years ago, we moved from South Africa and we came to the States. And we, because we weren't born here, we became naturalized U.S. citizens. You can carry a passport of the U.S. and still never be an American. You can carry the passport, but still never be an American. You see, you get the passport because you fill out the legal papers. You fill out, uh, you, you fulfill the legal requirements in order to get to that place. And in all content, for, for all intents and purposes, legally they will have a look at you and they'll sit and say, fine, you constitute a U.S. citizen. Here is your passport. The problem with it is you've never immersed yourself in the culture. If you don't immerse yourself in the culture, what ends up happening is you carry the passport, but you're not an American. You see, when you immerse yourself in the culture, what ends up happening over a period of time is that you're exposed to the fact that Americans have a different sense of humor. And you begin to grasp it and you get, begin to understand why they find certain things funny. Where you didn't understand that before because you hadn't had immersion. You begin to move to a place where you begin to speak slightly differently. You have a little bit of a twang. Why? Because you've had immersion. You spent time in the culture. What ends up happening is because you were immersed in the culture, suddenly you begin to recognize something called capitalism and you realize that I can start to build dreams and I can do things that I may not have been able to do. And I recognize that the society is open to me to be able to be innovative and entrepreneurial and to take the things and be big and brave and go out, go out and do something. Why? Because I immersed myself in the culture. But unless you immerse yourself in the culture, you'll carry the passport, but you'll never be an American. It's the same thing with God. We have a lot of Christians. What ends up happening is they love God and they want a relationship with God. So they get born again. They carry the label, but they've never had immersion. They've never spent time discovering with God in the garden. The moment you spend time in relationship with God, what's going to end up happening is he's going to start to change the things about your life. When you spend time immersed with God, he's going to start to affect who you are and what you're all about. Why? Because he's taking who he is and he's imparting it to you. What he's beginning to do is he's wanting you to step back to your original design. I'm stepping back into my God likeness. I'm stepping back to the fact that I was built in his image. I'm going back to my original design. I only discover that if I find myself in him, if I abide in him. 
You see, God built Adam's mind because Adam never had history. You and I have got history. So God can't build our mind. He has to renew our mind. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that populates our head. Adam never had that. He built Adam's mind. But he has to do something different with us. He's going to renew our mind. Get rid of all of that stuff that moves us to a place of independence. Get rid of all of that stuff that moves us to a place where we miss the mark. And he's going to introduce us to living from a place where blessing flows. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. When it talks about his words abiding in us, he's talking about the equivalent would be like the constitution. Because you're an American citizen, you are entitled to certain things constitutionally. You did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to earn it. It's something that is freely available to you as a U.S. citizen. I have the prerogative of going outside and voicing my opinion, however dumb it may be. Why? Because I have a constitutional right called freedom of speech. We have a constitutional right, freedom of religion. There are constitutional rights with being an American citizen. The moment that you got born again, what ends up happening is God sitting saying, I want to work in your life because I'm going to take you from a place and I'm going to relocate you from where you are and I'm going to move you to a place where you can step back into my design for your life and live from a paradigm and a reality of blessing. That's what God wants to do for us. And so what he begins to do is he begins to speak into our lives and he says, I want to give you direction to get there. Why? Because when I get located in a place where blessing is, blessing happens. Why does blessing happen? Because God spoke it into existence. Existence. It exists because of his word. Blessing is a promise of God that carries within it the irrevocable power to fulfill itself. Blessing is a promise from God that carries within itself the irrevocable power to fulfill itself. When God in the first few chapters, uh, uh, the, the first few verses of Genesis said, light be, light was. Why? Because words God spoke something out and God's word carries with it, within it, the irrevocable power to bring it about to being. When God said, I blessed man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. What was he doing? He was speaking out promise. He was speaking out blessing. What he was saying was, you get yourself located in those places and there are some things that are going to happen to you constitutionally, not because you did anything to deserve it, but because I spoke it. And when God speaks things, it takes it to a level of authority that is above anything else. God says, I have esteemed, I have honored my word above my name. Why? Because that's who I am. And when God says something, it happens. He needs for you to know that when God speaks, his word carries with it weight and power to bring things about. When you step back into God's design for things, what ends up happening is blessing begins to flow and blessing begins to happen. Why? Because he spoke it into existence. When you're in a place where you are positioned the way that God has called you to live, you have the prerogative to make a demand on your constitution. I thank you, Father, that as a giver, I want to thank you for what you've said. I want to thank you that as a giver, you're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on me. 
So much so that there's hardly room enough for me to contain it. I did nothing to deserve it, but you promised me that as a giver, when I position myself as a giver, I can place a demand on that promise. I want to thank you that you've told me that as a giver, I can put myself in a place where it's going to be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Are people going to give unto me? It's a promise that you've said to me. I did nothing to deserve it, but it's a constitutional right that goes with where I am right now. It's your blessing in my life. And I want to thank you for that. It's a good way to end today's service because actually I want to speak to those people who've been giving into the ministry. And what I want to say to you is this. When you're a giver, not only financially, but in every area of your life, when you're taking of the things that God has imparted to you and you being intentional about taking those things and sowing those things, putting them, giving them into people's and and putting them into circumstances, putting them into situations, putting it into ministry, what are you doing? You're sitting saying, Father, I want to thank you for what you've given to me and I'm living my life as a giver. And as I live as a giver, I want to thank you right now that all of the blessings that are due to the giver are available to me. If you have a look at first, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Why does God love a cheerful giver? He loves a cheerful giver because you are going to have to operate out of a revelation of what it is to be a giver and understand that blessing comes to the giver. Because unless you have that revelation, you can never give cheerfully. Because it feels like a sacrifice. It feels like I'm giving up on something that I really want. It feels like I'm giving up on something that I feel like, you know what? This could benefit my life so much better. But when you understand what it is to be a giver, when you understand it, when you act and you live from a a paradigm of giving, what ends up happening is you position yourself under God's blessing. It puts you at a place where you give in every respect cheerfully. I'm happy to meet people. I like meeting people. I like putting something into their life. Why? Because I know when I'm sowing into people's lives, words, emotions, thoughts, actions, finances, material things, whatever it might be. What I'm doing is I'm putting myself at a place where I'm positioning myself as a giver. And as a giver, God is going to bless me in that space. If you're a giver, hold on to that blessing. My encouragement to you today is this, make a demand on it. Don't just sit there looking for it. Get to the place where you sit and say, Father, I want to thank you right now that as a giver, you're opening the windows right now. I want to thank you, Father. I I keep my eyes open everywhere I go, around every corner I'm looking to see where the blessing is coming from. I want to thank you that it's coming in many different forms. I want to thank you that I'm blessed in everything that I do. I want to thank you that everything that I put my hands to prospers. I want to thank you, Father, that we live in divine health. 
I want to thank you, Father, for a family that is fruitful, that is abundantly provided for. I want to thank you for kids that are growing up. I want to thank you that they have an intimate relationship with you, that they understand the direction of their life. I want to thank you for blessing that's coming in in every form and in every direction. I'm living in the expectation of that because I'm a giver. I'm a giver. I want to thank you, Father, that it's going to be given unto me. Just as I sow into people's lives, people are going to sow into my lives. Words of encouragement. Things that are going to take me to a place of understanding. Things that are going to open up new dimensions of relationship between you and me. People are putting things into my life. I want to thank you for for blessing. I want to thank you for finances that are coming in. I want to thank you for promotions. I want to thank you for business opportunities. I want to thank you, Father, every time I wake up, I keep my eyes open and I keep myself peeled looking for blessing because I'm a giver. I'm trying to give you a practical example of what it is. When you position yourself the way that God calls you to be, you can live from a place where you live in the expectation of blessing coming into your life. Keep looking for it. Father, I just want to thank you right now for every person that is listening. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're touching their lives and you're touching their hearts. It doesn't matter where they find themselves right now. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you never leave us, that you are always there pulling at us. You're always tugging at us. You're always getting us to a place where you sit and say, come, come with me, walk with me, because I'm taking you back to blessing. I want to thank you that as we obedient to listen to your instruction. And as we move forward with that, I want to thank you that it relocates and repositions our lives in a place of abundance. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to speak into our lives and that you grow our lives, that you make our lives big and more expansive as a result of relationship with you. I want to thank you for, for potential that is enlarged. And I want to thank you that we live out of a newfound energy and enthusiasm, fresh insights, fresh vision, for who I am, for what my life is all about, for how I raise my kids, for my business. We bless you and we thank you for blessing. We bless you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid so that we can experience abundance in our life. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name.